Sometimes your best asset is your ability to persevere and keep going no matter what. Welcome to the Field Famous Podcast brought to you by Field Routes, a show that shines a light on the field service industry and the dedicated professionals that grind every day on their journey to success. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Fasano. Before we begin, I want to remind you that the best way to get new episodes of the Field Famous Podcast is to subscribe on your favorite pod player, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find the Field Famous podcast. The show is also available in video format. If you prefer to watch the interview, you can subscribe there. Go to BeFieldFamous.com for all the links. And last but not least, leave us a five-star review if you're really loving the show. Our guest for today's show is Alan Draper. Alan is the CEO, founder of Proof Pest Control. More than that, Alan is an entrepreneur. He's an investor, an attorney. He's a, ho- he's a podcast host, which I, I, I'm excited to talk to him about because I haven't yet to interview another, another host. Uh, and he, he really understands and, and he specializes in helping small businesses scale, helping uh, entrepreneurs. So, Alan, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Are you ready to be field famous? I'm ready, Chris. All right, let's do this. So uh, let's introduce yourself, um, you know, where you are now. And then uh, I want to talk to you about how you got there. And uh, we, we'll, 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 we'll just go on that road on that journey. For sure. Yeah. Started Proof uh, in 2015. Um, so I consider myself a bug guy. I love the pest control industry. Um, I have my hands in quite a few different things now. Um, invest in a few different industries and um, and things like that. Uh, you mentioned I have a podcast. I actually have two um, that drop weekly episodes. So I spent a lot of time podcasting, uh, a lot of time working on uh, my businesses while we're, we're continuing to grow proof right now. Proof has, uh, 10 branches. Um, and we, uh, do about one, 1.8, 1.7 X every year. So we almost double in size every year. And, uh, yeah, I just enjoyed the journey. I enjoy connecting with, uh, my fellow bug people and, uh, PCOs. Um, I, I fit really well into this industry, so I'm just happy to be here and, you know, share whatever I can about my journey, um, you know, maybe in hopes of helping some folks see around the yeah. corner a little bit um, as they're scaling their companies. And and so what I want to understand is I like to ask this of people in the industry because I find that the, the answers are always different. Why pest? You know, is it some people say they love the business model. Some people just love bugs. Some people got into it. How what was it about that? What did you have a previous experience that got you to something in this industry? In 2006, I went to work for a company in Ohio, pest control company in Ohio. My brother Brent was selling door to door for them mm-hmm. and and after that, 2006, 2007, I was actually trying to start a pest control company. So we got introduced to it via summer sales, although I wasn't uh, knocking doors. I was a technician um, for a company called Safeguard, really great company back then. It's uh, Vantage uh, Marketing, um, Insight Pest Control, or some of the same ownership, not all of it, but um, got had a really good experience back then. The interesting part is that uh, tried to start a company with my brother in 2006, 2007. Uh, uh, a didn't pest control, really work. A pest control business? Pest control. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pest control. I actually went out to Ohio to learn the operation side of the company a little bit because my brother had the sales side down pretty well. And uh, he and I just couldn't 
we couldn't figure it out. Well, I think I think we were too immature at the time. We didn't have enough capital. Um, had a tough time getting along, and so he stayed with it. He stayed with door to door. Okay. He stayed. He stayed with door to door. Ended up starting a company a few years down the road. Uh, sold his interest in it. Um, he's he's one of the co-founders of a large company called Greenex that's still around. Yep. I took a different path. I went to law school. Um, and I, and then I practiced law for a few years and he was in, you know, I'm, I'm three years into my law practice and what kind of law, he, Alan? What kind so of law? I practiced, uh, commercial litigation. Okay. So, um, uh, lawsuits. Okay. So, <laughs> so anyway, there was this transitionary, uh, phase, uh, that he was in and I said, Hey man, maybe we give it another shot. And, uh, the rest as they say, is history. And what was, so was this a, was it a personal journey for you too? Because what I'm hearing is like, you know, your brothers, so that comes along with a lot yeah. of things, right? So was it was it mistakes and quotes that you made in the business front or was it just really like, it's my brother, we were like, where, where was the difference when you go fast forward and you guys go at it again? Were you both in different places personally, professionally, just made it work differently? Yeah, I think... I think we could have made it work back in 2006, 2007. I, um, business is crazy because sometimes you you don't know when to call it quits. And mm. I think back then it was right for it. It was the right move for us to not pursue it further. Um, but in terms of maturity, experience, um, confidence, confidence is a big part of it. I had, you know, gone through law school, passed the bar exam, right. all those difficult things. He had, you know, established more than a decade of, uh, you know, door-to-door experience or right around that, um, very successful year after year. So uh, we were just much more prepared, better capitalized, just just more ready. Just more ready to do it. So as yeah. you as you started your growth journey in this business... And now you now knowing where you where you are now and your just just your knowledge of business and business growth in general, is there something in particular about this industry that you like from a growth perspective amongst others? Or do you think there's core tenets of scaling a business, in particular small business? Um, you know what I mean by that? Or is there something very unique or more unique in this industry that allows a system that you really enjoy or really like? So I'm trying to view this from, you know, my kind of entrepreneur hat, not my my bug guy hat, yep. right? Um, through that lens or that perspective. Because I am very passionate about pest control industry. And there are very there are a lot of things that I love about it. I love um, how sustainable it is um, during economic downtimes. I love how connected it is to home ownership. I love um, the recurring revenue aspect of it. I love the low barrier to entry. I love that it's a blue collar field. Mm. Um, I love the network that is involved in pest control that doesn't exist in other industries. And a lot of times we don't know that. That being said, in business, um, there are definitely some core principles. There are some things that, um, and I've done that. I've applied um, what I know about pest control to other industries and I've uh, been able to be successful. Um, so while I have a special place in my heart for pest control, there are some, there are some principles that you can scale a company in any industry in, uh, especially pest control, just kind of applying the, the nuances to the new industry. 
So uh, do we want to maybe talk a little bit about those? Like, I'm wondering, like, in your experience looking back, are there common are there common stumbling blocks that you that you see in scale? And then on the other side, like, what are some of those conserved strategies? Like, I call you in, Alan, take a look at what I got going on, man. I need your help. Are you focused right away on specific things or everything is a case by case and things will just sort of emerge? No, I'm going to start at the same place. So I do. um coach, uh, small businesses. I've over the years, I've coached probably a hundred plus. I do it as a side project. It's not really my, you know, my main thing, but I'm always going to start with, um, uh, getting to know the founder a little bit who, who's managing the company. And then I'll go straight into the financials. Um, I tell business owners and entrepreneurs that are looking to start a business that the main goal for the first few years is just to keep the boat afloat. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we're like, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to do 2 million in revenue and bottom line revenue is going to be 30% or north. And it's like, just keep the boat afloat. Just, yeah. just because after two, three, four years, something magical happens in business. That's why you see most businesses fail before five years and a lot of them even the first year. Um, so I'm going to be looking at those core aspects. I'm going to be looking at cash flow. I'm going to be looking at how they manage their money. Right, right. Um, like a general health you, score of the, of the core of the business, right? Like trying to get it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to be looking at the personnel, how how they're treated by management slash ownership. Um, you know, I a lot of people are going to come in. They're going to say, hey, how are, how are you treating your customers? I care first and foremost, how is management slash ownership treating their people? And how are they retaining their people? And I, to, to be honest, like if, if someone says, hey, Alan, come look at my business, I need some help. I'm going to look at the same things that I would look at if someone says, hey, Alan, I'm looking to raise some money or I need, you know, right. uh, I'm, I'm selling some equity or whatever. I'm going to look at those same things. I'm going to view it from uh, an investment perspective and and kind of look at those, you know, big th- three big rocks. What is the, what is the f- founders? What do they look like? The management team? What is the financial statements look like? How strong financially is the company? And number three, how are they how are they treating their people? Yep. Um, what about so this is it? You, you this sort of spurred this in my mind. One of the things that I would hear a lot from marketing for, in particular, pest control companies, but in general, is people come out come out hot, you know, and they'll be like, hey. I want to do 50%. Like, I want to, I want to go. I'm going to grow. And I'm like, great. Okay. Let's look at everything and let's determine where you're getting that number from. Where are you getting that from? I just know I can do it. Okay. Um, and then, okay, how much do you want to invest to get there? And that mm-hmm. number rarely meets the, where the, the growth <laughs> that they want to get to. And so you have to have this conversation and it doesn't really resonate, you know what I mean? And so yeah. that that's a common thing that I've seen. Do you see that? And what like what are even your conversations there when you when it comes up? I mean, it's I, I I have seen that. So I also own a digital marketing agency that caters mostly to pest control companies. That's like ninety five percent of of our business. But so I do see that. I I see. Hey, these are our goals. Um, how do we get there? We show them the path and what it's going to cost. And they're like backpedaling. I think there's an analogy there though, Chris, because that's also true of other types of efforts in a business. One of the, one of the most shocking things about owning a a business is how difficult it is. And it's very cliche to say that, 
But when you actually get into yeah. it, you realize you're going to have your heart ripped from your chest yeah. because customers leave you a one star review or somebody that has a route, you know, they, they give you no notice. They don't do their route that day and they never come back. Um, so it's like, it, it's the same principle there where it's like, are you willing to do what it takes once, not before you know what it takes. Right, right. But once you know, once you know, hey, like, there's going to be several days I'm not going to see my kids because I'm going to be gone before they wake up. I'm going to be home after they go to bed. And it's like, am I willing to, you know, I talk a lot about embracing the focused imbalance. And what that means is you have to hyper focus. I don't believe in living a balanced life. I don't think there's such a thing. Do you, does that mean I spend the exact same amount of time in every area of my life? Absolutely not. But so there I don't mean to interrupt. This is a I big work thing. All day long. This is a big thing right now, Alan. Balanced life is a big thing out there. People are pushed like yeah. this idea, right? Because burnout and work burnout has, is a big thing. People are a lot yeah. of work. And so I, I, I've thought about this too. And it's like, it's just not the way that the world is right now. There's not a lot about, like, especially if you want to make, if you really want to do it, and if that same person who came to me and said, I want to get here, there ain't going to be a lot of balance. It, it can't be. I agree with that. So, like, how do you, is that a good way to live? How, how, where, how does that evolve into this, in this world of wellness that we have? I imagine you're very busy. You try to do, you do things to keep you calm, but is there balance and what do you do to achieve it? I mean, ba balance how you define I wish there balance, was another, <laughs> right? Yeah, I wish there was another word because balance brings to mind a scale Correct. with equal parts on both sides. And that's never that way. Life is not that's that way. Not, that's not how I look at it. Um, and, and, it's, and, and whatever this quote unquote balance, you, you know, whatever that means is so specific and personal to us. Um, you know, I have three small kids, 10, 8, 4. I'm spending a lot of time with them. And I'll go away for a week and I'll still answer some emails, a phone call here and there, but they are my focus. Is that the balanced life? No, no, no. That's, that's a perfect example of the focused imbalance. It's me when it's time, you go my in. family's all that matters. Right. But when I'm at work right now, Chris, this right. is the only thing that matters to me. Correct. Is right. me talking to you. Right. 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 So I've set it up so that my, you know, my kids aren't coming into my home office or whatever. Um, but I think you need to really backtrack. The listener needs to go back to the beginning and, and set the goals. Um, where do I want to be 5, 10, 20 years? What yeah. are the things that I'm going to wish right. that I did, right? The, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is, you know, right now. But some people, Chris, they don't, they are not interested in, in doing what it takes. There's nothing wrong with that. My mom, she was a nine to fiver. When five o'clock hit, it was the Flintstones thing, right? Yeah, but have a do slide down the, the dinosaur's tail. Work was over. She incredible person. One of my one of my greatest mentors. I love her so much. I could not live that life. And so it really comes down to let's get those objectives in line. What are the things that you really want to achieve? Because you're gonna have sacrifices. What is the sacrifice you're willing to make to achieve those goals? Sometimes they're just too big. Right, but you're you're coming from a place where of of, of self awareness, Alan. Right, you you have a, a self awareness. You have recognized these things. You have looked at them. You have made the determination that the way you're living is your balance. Like you just said, that's your right. balance. Your balance is when you're with your kids, you're only with them. When you're with your work, you're only with that, and you're good with that. Yeah, and you're realistic with yourself. A lot of people aren't, and they 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 sometimes have a hard time taking 
listening to the outside. I guess they will learn on their own at some point in time, right, unfortunately. But I think it's more how do you become a self-aware individual where you can check yourself and be like, look, I want to get to 50% growth. Probably not going to do it in the first year. I should probably focus on this, this, and this. But I imagine that's a journey to get to that place. I mean, so so I'm really struggling with, with this word b- balance, right? I, I wish we could toss it. But it's it's the journey. You don't know until you know. When you start a business, you you don't know what's going to take until... And, and you can talk to people. You can talk to me, uh, reach out to me and ask some questions. And I can kind of give you a sense, although I don't even know completely in, in your specific case. But it's I, I like that you, Chris, I like that you use the word journey because that's what it's really about. And as business owners, we're very focused on as we learn, mm-hmm. we pivot and we evolve. Mm-hmm. And it's the same for their lives. As you learn a little bit, okay, this is what it's going to take. Maybe I'm going to readjust my my goals, my values, my principles. And uh, principles, actually, no, my, my goals and, and what, I'm, what I'm trying to achieve. Um, and it's just kind of a guess and check sometimes. Mm-hmm. How do you stay learning, Alan? Like, what do you do to stay knowledgeable? Is it just that you're in so many things that you're always stumbling across new things and you learn that way? Or do you have other things where you're you're in and you're consuming and learning i read a lot um uh that's that's a big part of it uh i listen to podcasts but i don't think there is a lesson more powerful than starting a business i don't think you can learn anything you know it to that degree because that when you start a business, you're learning it in your soul. You're you're yeah. like bones where you feel it. It's not just what you know in your head. Um, so we, the the real barometer for me is how uncomfortable am I, right? I mentioned I have a digital marketing agency. I own a software company. I'm not a programmer, not a developer. I'm not a marketer. And so I try to just get really uncomfortable. A great way for the listener to do that is through growth. So if you're scaling your company, and you're not coasting, it is uncomfortable. It is hard. You have to hire, you have to uh, improve your systems, you have to maintain your customer base, all these things, right? So uh, really, there's so many ways to grow, but it's almost all of them are tied to this idea of, am I pushing myself outside of my comfort zone and learning something new? It's just like when we were little kids, like the alphabet was super hard for us. So what did we do? We made ourselves uncomfortable to learn it. It's the same as adults. Hey, muscles need to be shredded before they can regrow, right? Exactly. That's how that's how it rolls. Like most things in life need to be, you know, attacked before they can really thrive and grow. I, I wanted to go back to something we were talking about at the beginning. You were talking about the aspects of the business, the industry and pests, et cetera, that, that were appealing. Um, you mentioned about this, this, this concept of through through big issues like a pandemic and how it's the essential part of the business. I'm curious to ask you, how what the what that experience going through COVID and the pandemic taught you about business in general and your you know um, you know yours yours in particular because for me I remember going marketing through that and it's like man you really go through your business inventory and your services and like what can I do how can I pivot right so tell me a little bit about that for you what you learned yeah it's funny because I remember when. You know, there was different phases, especially early 2020. And I remember when it, it was like, okay, this thing's this thing's serious. And I kind of froze up. I sent an email company wide, said uh, hiring freeze. Um, let's let's watch our 
you know, the outgo of our money and things like that. And that lasted for about a week. And then I realized that there was all this opportunity. And I think in moments like that, you, you really dig down and you, you try to, you try to discover or, or remember why you, you're doing what you're doing, why you started pest control company in the first place. And for us, you know, it was, we were really big on job creation we, we, we wanted to create a work environment where people actually enjoyed their jobs and they were taken care of. And that, because I went back to that, it was like, wait, why are we on this hiring freeze then? Because there's these opportunities and um, people are looking for jobs, stability. And, um, you know, it just, it's kind of funny because the one thing that comes to mind when you ask about uh, COVID during that time is, uh, is fear. Yeah. Do you know there's two groups? Either you let the fear uh, control you or you controlled it. And I learned so much about myself and the leaders of my company and how we did that. And I think the second the second facet or aspect of that is not just what we what we were feeling internally, but how we were voicing and communicating that to others. Yeah. And because they were scared. And as leaders, it's weird because people don't want to hear that we're having a bad day. They don't, they want, they don't want to hear that we're scared. Um, and I totally get that. And I embrace that. And so it gave us this great opportunity to develop our leaders, even though they were scared, they thought they were going to lose their jobs and, and just kind of double down on that improvement. And we absolutely crushed it during that year to almost to the extent where we started to feel bad. Cause we heard about restaurants going out of business, yeah. retail getting hit hard and shut yeah. down. And yeah, so just, Awesome opportunity there. Yeah, I mean, it was really, I mean, I mean, in the context of bad, everything was there. In certain businesses, in particular, they they saw a real, they saw a big boom, and and it almost opened up different areas and different tracks. I know businesses that pivoted then and stay that way, and they have things that they probably would have never thought about because in times of great, big, like what what is happening that's when sometimes yeah. you find stuff it forces you to look in it forces you to look at places you've never looked before and oh yeah. wow man look look what i got look what we can do we can do this and then if you get through that you're good like you're going to be all yeah. right and everybody comes together over it right yeah 100 percent. let me ask you this i ask i've asked a couple people you're you're the perfect person i think to ask this question and and get your insight on when you're growing a business and you have an exit in mind whatever that exit is to you do you grow and scale your business differently dependent on the exit? I've been I've heard strategies and people say yes, some people say no, doesn't matter, just grow a good business. I'm curious to get your take on it. Do you grow and have your plan of growth different based on the strategy of exit? Yeah, uh, 100%. So here's the thing, and I, this is like one of my patented uh not that I can patent a, a saying, but this is something I say all the time on my show. Um, all the time in in consulting other businesses and things like that, is that the best way to grow a company to sell is to grow it, not to sell. That being said, we as individuals, we are constantly focused on our thoughts. Um, you know, great story. I, I, I'm an older guy, I guess you could say. And so older. I remember the OJ trial. Okay, yes. I'm that old then. I remember the OJ trial too. <laughs> Do you remember the white Bronco? Of course. It's like burned so in my white, memory, man, that whole scene. It, 
Exactly. So the white bronc for the younger folks, he, you know, he takes off. He's he's running, uh, you know, in this uh, white bronco that his his buddy's driving. He's, he's got the he's dude in the car. In the yeah, yeah. He's crouching the back. Yeah, man. And there's people at the overpass with signs Sign, going like, OJ, hey, OJ, like cheering him as he's going by. And there's all these helicopters falling. So there's this live video stream. It's incredible. And then the next day, Chris, I saw five white broncos, and I couldn't believe it. I'm like. Whoa, people are buying all these white Broncos because of OJ and the Felicity. And then I kept seeing more and more. And then I realized those white Broncos were always there, right? They were always there. When I saw it on the news, it changed my perspective. I started looking for them. Yep. When an individual is, they have this plan where they're going to sell their company. They're going to view things through that perspective. I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. They just, they just need to know about that. I think if you have an exit plan, exit strategy, um, it's okay, but keep in mind that in our business, in the pest control business, we've seen some crazy acquisitions. Mm-hmm. There's a several hundred million dollar deal that was announced just a, you know two or three weeks ago, and it's because that company, who I'm very familiar with, they built that company not to sell. They built it to take care of their customers, high retention. They took care of their people. They did all these things right. There have been, you know, the counterpart to that argument, to that story, where there have been companies that have they blown up, they, you know, high valuations, and then crazy attrition once they get acquired. Yeah. So it's like, I think that you, I'm a, you know, work, work a plan type of guy. And so I think that there's nothing wrong with, but just keep that caveat in mind that it's not to make a quick buck. Right. I mean, what's not, what's... I mean, I look at that and I say, well, what's it's it'd be so attractive to want to buy the company that focused on being a very good company, especially in this game that's dealing with individuals and people and things like that. So, like, yeah, that that's when I ask people that I, I tend to get that like that what they say, what, what they've said is no, at least try to know where you want to go. Make it a yeah. make it your goal. Make it. That's where that's why I get up in the morning. That's why I'm here. That's my bit. But don't solely do everything for that because if you do that like if you in life if you try to do something most of the time you never you know it's like the things you get to the places that you're not really trying to get to um podcasting i want to talk to you about podcasting um i fell in love with podcasting i started my first podcast over a decade ago um jeez they had podcasts Decade yeah, it was about ago. 10 years ago. The Stem Cell Podcast is the name of the show. And we ended mm. up, we ended up, um, I was a graduate student. And um, the idea was, well, I had a biotech company that I didn't know how to run. And um, I was like, how are we going to market? How am I going to sell? And my idea, the concept was, this product is for science. Like, a, there was a product for scientists, et cetera. So it's like, I'm going to speak directly to the people that want to use it. You know, and that's that's it. If I can speak to them and they can trust me and then the brand they trust, like, you know, whatever, eventually what I learned is that the show became went to what became more popular than anything else I was doing. And we went in on we went in on on that. And what I loved about it was it was that experience of trust. It was that these people every Tuesday, every whatever day they pop it in and they're waiting to hear what we have and they are super engaged, more engaged than almost in anything that I've ever experienced. And I love that interaction. And I think it has a lot of value in both life and business in the right way. I've seen it go wrong. I've seen a lot of people do things, whatever. But I love it. I find it to be a great medium. What, what drew you to it? What do you love about it? And how do you view it in the, con- in the con- sort of context of business? So I started... 
uh, my first podcast, which back then was called Start and Grow Your Pest Control Company during COVID. So it's a little over three years ago. Um, I started it uh, because there was so much misinformation going around, uh, around the bug industry especially legal and financial information. I'm not trained on the financial side. I've just uh, um, taught myself corporate finance through textbooks and videos, Um, but I do have a background in the law and I just got sick of it. I got sick of people that don't have employees telling other people how to hire and manage their employees. And um, so so that's kind of where it started. And I've never really monetized it. I just kind of kept it going. Mm-hmm. Now it's called Bug Bucks, B-U-G-B-U-X. And um, it's been really cool. Like, I, it's, fu- it's funny that you bring it up because I had a post the other day. Uh, we hit 50,000 uh, downloads and our oh, platform wow. sent out this. Yeah, thank you. Uh, sent out this notification to kind of celebrate and post about it. And I talked about all the hours that I've invested in, thousands of hours over the years. Um and it's, you know, it now it's different than it was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. Everybody has a podcast now. Mm-hmm. So getting traction, is it's way different. It's very uh, noisy environment. But, you know, I, I think it's been an incredible journey. I've, I've been given so much from the pest control industry. There, there are so few people that aren't willing to give you every bit of information they have in this industry. It is just, it's tremendous. So that was my way of saying, hey, let's let's do something, give back to the community, and and help people that need it. And and when people will ask you or come to you and say, hey, I'm thinking about starting a pod, I'm thinking about putting it out there. What do you? What's that? What's that conversation like? Very few people have actually really uh, come to me. Yeah, very few. I, I've had some people like ask me a little bit about maybe a, a handful, less than five, has said that they're interested in starting one, but. I think it really depends on why why you're doing it. it. Don't do it if you're trying to make money. Yes. Don't do it. Don't do it. I it, there's I'll give you a hundred better ways to make money than to start a podcast. But if you're doing it um, to kind of learn about podcasting, um, learn about marketing, you have to know how to market to, when you podcast. Learn about the tech aspect of it. Um, and my biggest takeaway, the thing that I've received the most, is my, the connections that I've made. I've, I've Mm. produced over 260 podcast episodes and, um, just, I look back and it's, it's the people that I met. So I'm friends with, uh, these people that otherwise I, I wouldn't be friends with, but, um, usually when someone comes to me with an endeavor, I'll, I'll try to encourage them and help them. Um, and it's the same with, with podcasting, but I, I just kind of throw that caveat that, uh, don't do it for money because there, there is none. No, I mean my my like if if you have a brand and you're making money from that brand, it in, it can definitely enhance the brand and help you grow that. But if it's your if you're trying to use it as a direct revenue source, you just want to start a show to make money. Unless you're incredibly well known, famous, an influencer, you know, and you can easily get sponsors. Yeah, but that's a game too, right? Make keeping up. I was in that game and trying to maintain this. It's a game. It's it's a business. It's a business if you really want to make it such. Yeah. And you have to you have certain obligations that you have to meet, certain reads, certain things, and it it, it it could also then take away from the almost purity, if you will, of what a podcast is, and that has to be yeah. done delicately, right? I remember balancing that because when you're speaking to an audience that really wants to hear from you, the last thing they want to feel like is now you're selling to them because it can contam- yeah. it can contam- Contaminate the relationship a little bit, right? So, um, it's a, but it's a fascinating game. Um, 
I want to just uh, as we as we get towards the end here, we're talking about podcasting. You have to know marketing. You're involved in the marketing world. I'm curious, like, do you do you have anything you're seeing in the future on marketing and digital that you're really excited about? New techniques, new tactics, new 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 ways to grow businesses through marketing. Are there certain things that you you guys are really looking at or really pumped about? Yeah, there's a lot in um, in AI that just yep. I don't think it. I don't think it replaces much. It just enhances it, makes things a lot faster. Um, because really to get traction in marketing, you, you need to get down in the dirt um, and and do things the right way. There's no, it's a lot like social media. That nowadays, it, there's no shortcut. You really have to do the work. Um, but uh, the, you know, the, the software, the AI that's coming out is, is really exciting. Um, another thing about marketing that's interesting is how fast that industry evolves. Mm -hmm. It changes like every week, Google will change their algorithm. They'll change AdWord pricing structure right now. Um, you know, we're noticing there's going to be an 11% growth. It looks like this year over last year in the uh, overall, um, United States pest control market. That being said, there's a lot more people uh, going after those leads and things. So leads, cost per conversion, uh, those those yeah. are going up right now. So I think, yeah, I think there's some exciting tech. I'm not the, uh, you know, I'm not the marketing guru that my partner is, but, um, you know, I've heard through the grapevine that there's some opportunities there for you know, just to streamline some of those services. How do you feel just, I guess, maybe just personally about the whole AI uptick in the world today that we're in? I mean, just, just as like a human, do you, there's benefits to it, obviously, in certain aspects, right? That's what I see and think. Does it concern you at all? Do you, are you one of these that are like welcome to it with some sort of control or you just let it, let it be unfettered and go? I mean, it's a, it's a big convo nowadays, especially in the world of business and in marketing, like how much will it be used and leveraged? I, I'm an efficiency guy first. So um, I, I'm not a huge fan of regulation and control. So now if we're talking about like AI taking over the world, like Elon Musk says they're going to yeah, do, like it, that might be a different scenario. But in terms of like, if you're asking me about replacing jobs and, and how it's going to change things, it, all I care about is, does it, is it more efficient? And um, does it, does it does it add to the economy? And the reason why is we're always going to find a a way to use and maximize uh, human input. So I'm not, you know, I saw, I saw this podcaster the other day or he, content creator, and he's going around the street and he's asking people what their jobs were. And then he asked them if AI would replace their job. And every single person said, there's no way AI could do my, my job. And then he would say some, and then he would explain to them exactly how AI could replace them. And it was, it was kind of funny. And so I started thinking, could AI replace what I do? And I'm not scared of that. I, I'm the type of person that I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll evolve. I'm going to keep, I'm not going to be in, in our companies. We're not going to have AI take jobs. We'll just, we'll just transition people. So I'm not, I right. think it's fantastic. Right. I think our lives are going to be better. I think, you know, what we produce is going to be greater. So yeah, I I'm, say bring it on. There's always, again, in these sorts of things, I was, I can almost like, I remember, you remember Y2K. Remember that? Like when the yeah. year, when it was, yeah. when it was going to be 2000, everything was going to stop. Like planes yep. were all going to fall out of the sky. Everything was going to be a disaster. 
And yeah. re- it turned on the midnight, it turned, man, and there was just like another day. We're so, all waiting for the lights y- to go out. Right. So, so like <laughs> when they make big deals of it, yes, you get like, I, I agree. Um, and there are some things in marketing that are, you know, do you, will Google, how does Google going to look at content written by AI and chats yeah. and thrown up? Those will be very interesting to look at. Um, but there's yeah. definitely efficiencies that you can immediately see. see. I use these things a lot just to give me ideas, man, like in content creation. And like, you want to, you want to bounce ideas off somebody. Now you can just, you can go and try to get some ideas. So I think in that regard, it's been, it's been great. Um, to close, let me ask you this. You have one thing. If you could say one thing to somebody who says, Hey man, Hey Alan, I'm going to get into this game. I want to get into pest. I'm going to get a business. I got enough capital. I'm going to go for it. Do you have one thing that you could say to them? Here's my advice to you in all your experiences. Can you boil it into one thing? Yeah, I would just say do it and don't quit. Just go. Like just go, just just uh stuff stuff's going to come up, just figure it out. Um I have 19 business partners across uh, uh several companies that I own. When I look for a business partner, the number one thing I look for it's not skill set, it's not experience, it's not even really direct personality. It's do I think that this individual is going to wake up every morning and say, "Hey, let's start again." And so for somebody that's starting a business, you have to be able to do that. You have to say, yesterday was a freaking crap day, maybe the worst day of my life, and today I'm starting like it didn't Today's happen. Today's a new day. If, yep. if, you, if you have that perspective, it doesn't matter what trouble you, you run into, you'll be successful. I love that, and it's a great way to close. Where can people find more information about you, Alan, if they're interested in this and they want to check you out and hear more from you? Where can they go? Yeah, probably my website, alandraper.com. There's a appointment link where I chat with people for 15 minutes, see how I can help them. Uh, my Instagram, I'm very active on Instagram, Alan R. Draper. And then our, I mentioned our podcast, Bug Bucks. That's yep. especially for pest folks, B-U-G-B-U-X. Awesome. Hey, man, thank you so much for joining us today. Everybody, we'll have all this up on uh, more information about the show too, bfieldfamous.com. Tell your friends, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Remember, your success is fame-worthy, so come tell your story. Thank you for telling yours, Alan. I appreciate it, man. Yep, my pleasure. My pleasure.